You can rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We're in 1 John chapter 5, going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through 1 John. And we will start in... Oh, let's start in verse 4. This is John writing by the Holy Spirit, says this, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Verse 7, for there are three that bear witness. In heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son, that he who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, a lot in those verses for us. And Lord, front and center is that phrase, eternal life. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, just by the power of the Holy Spirit and by a work that only, only the Holy Spirit can do, please fix our eyes on eternal life this morning on heaven. Even as your word says, set not your eye, rather set your eyes on things above and not on things of the earth. Lord, that has to be you doing that through us. We can't do that. We we're always we're too distracted. We're too human. Lord, get our eyes fixed on you, on heaven, on Jesus, as we make our way through your word. Lord, I pray that I would not be a hindrance this morning and doing what you want to do and every man, every woman, every child that is with us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So we finished up last week and actually we began this morning with one of the most outstanding promises in the Bible, verse 5. Or rather, back up, verse 4, for whoever or whatever is born of God overcomes the world. 
the world has a way of overcoming, overwhelming, overtaking those who live in it. I mentioned this last week. Better part of my week during the week is talking with people, ministering to people who are overcome by the world, overwhelmed by it, overtaken by it. Uh, but here you have, in verse 5, it says, Who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, who is he who, rather than being overcome and overtaken by the world, who is he, who is she, who does the opposite, who actually, rather than being overcome by the world, overcomes it? Verse 5 again says, it's he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, if it is true that whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God, um, I would say it's... um, it's extremely important to get it right as to who Jesus actually is, right? I mean, if, if that's what it takes to believe, to, to, if that's what it takes to overcome the world, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, I, I think we've got to get it right who he actually is. And that's what verse 6 is all about. Verse 6 uh, says this, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. Blood, and it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Now, what is all that about? This is He who came by water and blood. Jesus, He came by water and blood. What uh, is that about? Uh? Now, Christian commentators, there's, there's disagreements about what that really means. I'll tell you what I think John is getting at here. You know, just um, as is the case today, just as is today, it was at the time this letter was written, there was a great debate as to who Jesus was. There was one religious group called the Gnostics who uh, began to attack the Bible and the church about who Jesus was. We have the same thing going on today. Uh, And and they believed, they started teaching that, well, Jesus was a ghost. He was a a phantom. He was um, just, just a spirit. He was never really here in the flesh. You know, son of God, yes, son of man, uh, no. So he really wasn't a man. What you saw really wasn't real. And and so Gnostics believe that the the human body was so evil, there's just no way that God would agree to be in a body. Uh, That's what they believe. And, 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 but, but. Of course, the Bible is clear that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Son of Man. He was fully God, a fully man. John writes this letter to combat this false teaching. In fact, he addresses this false teaching in the very first verse of this letter. 1 John 1, verse 1, it says this, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. This is the first verse of this letter, whom we have heard and seen. And then it, whom we have, we saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. That's the New Living Translation. Now, uh, that's what the first 
verse of this, this letter says. So here in verse 6 of chapter 5, he returns to the same thing. He says, this is he who came by water and blood. It's another way of saying, saying Jesus was flesh and blood. When we, he is flesh and blood. He was flesh and blood. If you're taking notes, you can write down the, the gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 5, another place where John uses the word water as a substitute for flesh. John is saying, listen, don't believe any of that stuff. It, it, Jesus was flesh and blood. He was real. We, we, we touched him with our hands. We saw him with our eyes. He was not a ghost. He was not a phantom. So this letter is, is, of course, as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. So many coming against the word of God by arguing that uh, uh, Jesus, at least the Jesus described in the Bible, didn't exist. Yeah, there may have been a man who lived in Palestine who was executed by the Romans. Uh, but what, what is taught about, but all that stuff was made up um, 200 years um, after his death by people who had an agenda. You cannot trust what the Bible says about Jesus. Same thing happening today. So how do we respond to that? Well, the same way those who, were, uh, who received this letter responded. Uh, you, you pick up this letter and you say, you're wrong. Here is a letter written by someone who heard him with his ears, saw him with his eyes, touched him with his hands, and wrote about what he saw, heard, and touched. And so until Jesus returns, there will always be in the world those who don't like the idea of being accountable to God or the word of God, so they will go right at the juggler, uh, right at the, the, the neck, uh, the throat, and they'll try to attack the identity of the word, Jesus Christ. So I thank God that not only verse 6 sets them straight, but... Um, uh, the rest of the Bible as, as well. It says, no, this is he who came by water. But No, no, he was flesh and blood. He was real. So again, back in um, verse four, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You never need to be overcome by an argument about the identity of Jesus Christ. In fact, you are promised that it can be the other way around. You will overcome the argument. The argument need not overcome you. Let's continue on in verse 7. Verse 7 and 8 uh, read this way, For there are three that bear witness. In heaven... The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Now, how many of you have an NIV in front of you? New International, new international Version, right? The NIV and many other translations don't have... That verse, the words, 
in verse 7. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Uh, they're not in that verse. It's not in that translation and, and other translations. Now, from time to time, relatively rare in the Bible, this happens. There's not agreement about whether those words are in the original manuscript. We don't have the original manuscripts of the Bible. Now, what we do have is extremely reliable, but from time to time, this happens. There are some words uh, that um, are are in one translation, but not another. And, 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 you know, there's not agreement about uh, whether the words are in the original manuscript, but there is agreement among all born-again Christians is that the words themselves are true. The Father, the, the Word, meaning Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one. And as, as theologians say, God is triune, three but one. This is a mystery. If we could understand everything about God, he wouldn't be God. Nevertheless, this teaching's important. It's, uh, this teaching is the foundation of what the Bible teaches and what we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that as uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 says, he did not consider equality with God the Father something to be held on to, but he made himself nothing, taking on human flesh, and he dwelt among us. Holy Spirit likewise distinct from the Father and the Son, but one. It's a mystery. But let's move on. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, if we receive the witness of men. Remember, the subject here is, who is this Jesus? People are coming into your church, into your fellowship, into your lives, trying to convince you and draw you away from the truth. And that's, the, that's, the, uh, that's what the, he's get, getting at here. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. M- meaning, I'm telling you what God says about his son. That's what John is saying. What, what he's saying is this. You know, you're quick to believe something when man tells you. In other words, when it, the testimony of man, you'll, you'll believe it. But, we're t- but I'm saying the testimony we are giving you is not just from man, it's from God. So we are so quick to believe what man tells us. Man, if you, you get a coffee stain on, on your favorite shirt, oh man, you will be, I know what you're going to do. You're going to be running to the internet. Wherever you are, you're going to be pulling up Mr. Google, and you're going to be going, oh, oh, how do I get this out? Coffee, a stain, a favorite shirt. Uh, ooh, uh, you take a, t- a teaspoon of cucumber juice, an ounce of vinegar, a dash of baking soda, and five dog hairs. Mix it all up. Put it on a stain and dry it up with a blow dryer. And I mean, you'll be mashing up cucumbers. You'll be putting it on that stain. You'll be blow drying that. You'll be doing that. You believe the testimony of men. You believe Google. I know you guys. But John is saying, how much more the testimony of God? And regarding Jesus, listen, there is so much testimony of men that he was just who he said he was. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, there was, there's 500 people still living who saw Jesus. Go and ask them what they saw. And, and so John's saying here the same thing. There's plenty of testimony from men um, about Jesus. I myself saw him. I heard him and touched him. But the testimony of God is greater. God gave, 
God himself has given a testimony that Jesus is the Son of God. And where is the testimony? It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. You know, in, in, in evangelism, the evangelism training, yes, it, we do go out and we uh, do on-the-job training. We talk with people. And people say, well, I, I don't believe in the Bible. Well, have you read it? Well, you know, I, you never get a straight response. When you read the Bible, I mean really read it, you will find the testimony of God about Jesus Christ far outdoes what even an eyewitness testimony of him could ever be. Just this week, we were having, our family was having our, our Bible study time. Uh, on Thursday night, we were reading through the Old Testament. We're in the book of uh, Zechariah. It's written 600 years before Jesus was born. And, and this week, we we're in Zechariah chapter 12. We split up the verses, our family. We go around the table, got to my daughter Grace. It was her turn. And she read Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Which says, speaking of the coming Messiah, verse 10 of Zechariah says, I will pour out the Spirit on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they will look upon me whom they have pierced. Referring, of course, to Jesus Christ. And they will mourn for him, Zechariah continues, as one mourns for his only son, and they will grieve for him as one grieves for his Firstborn. It was so moving to me just to hear my own, my own daughter reading that. It's the testimony of his son. And, and she's seeing, and, and, and we're all seeing together. It's just one of hundreds, hundreds of verses written prior to Jesus even being born. The testimony of God concerning his son. And so verse 9 says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Let's continue in verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. So again, the beginning of the verse, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. Meaning if you give your life to Christ... His work in your life will itself become a witness to the world, even to yourself, that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, time after time, time after time after time. For now, 27 years in ministry, just just a couple weeks ago, in fact, there's a woman who came forward um, at the end of the service for prayer. Uh, We asked her why she came to church. She said, Referring to a woman who is part of our church family, she said, now, there's a lot of people out there talking about God, but that woman, her relationship with God is different. That's why I'm here. Again, uh, verse 10, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness of himself, but he who does not believe God has made him a liar. has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. So I would say that God takes the rejection of his son rather seriously. We're around town and we're rather polite 
when people say, I don't believe that. God's not so polite here. Say, no, you're, you're a liar if you don't believe that testimony about my son. He goes on and he says in verse 11, and this is the testimony that God has given us. Rather, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. So again, verse 12, he who has the son has life. What life is he talking about there? He who has a son has life. What, what life is this talking about? Is this talking about the life that we have in this, in this body? Yesterday, one of my daughters looked at my body. And she said, so what's up with that pot belly? You are getting rid of that, right? So all you guys out there with those cute little baby girls, don't say I didn't warn you, okay? Say all those stories about your girls growing up and taking care of you, they're true. You are getting rid of that pot belly, aren't you? And I like hiding behind the pulpit here, yeah. <laughs> I love it every minute, by the way. We need to take care of our bodies. But the life he's talking about in verse 12 is not the life in this body. This is talking about eternal life. You know, I was praying last night to the Lord. How can I possibly get it across to the men and women who will be there tomorrow morning about the unbelievable importance of eternal life? I, mean, I got all these young faces looking up at me. They're beginning a career. They're beginning a school year. They're beginning a family. They've started. Their eyes are on the now. Jesus says in Mark 4, parable of the sower, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the, de the desire for other things choke up our thinking about eternity. Lord, how do I get it across to them? This isn't a funeral service. How do I get across to them something that, 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 man, as much as a gift it is, those things that are in front of you, that job, that school, that family, let me tell you, in light of eternity, they will mean nothing. Now, I'm not telling you that they're not important. God has given them to you as a gift. You need to handle them carefully as a gift. But in light of the importance of eternity. They mean nothing in comparison. Listen, men and women, if right at this moment you were staring into eternity, what would you be looking at? Eternity with Jesus as your Savior? 
or eternity with Jesus as your judge? Which one? Everlasting life with him or everlasting life without him in torment? Lord, how, how do I get these young folks to think about that? Eternal life. The most indescribably important issue of life. Verse 12 says, He who has the Son has life, has eternal life. If you're not thinking about what you will be looking at when you look into eternity, you should be. If you think that this is all there is and that when you die, it's just going to go poof, the Bible says, you're a fool. The indescribable important issue, how do you get eternal life? Well, you get it by his son, verse 12 says. He who has the uh, son has eternal life. Well, how do you get, how do you get the son? If in order to have eternal life, I need to get the son, well, how do I get him? So let's pause. When John, in this letter, 1 John, has something that he really wants to get across, what does he do? Anybody, shut it out. Says it twice. No, that's wrong. What does he do? He says it many times. Sorry, brother. (laughs) He says it over and over and over again. Abide in Christ, which means live in Christ. Abide in Christ, abide in Christ, abide in Christ. Over and over again, he did. What else? What else does he say over and over again? Homework. That's right. If you are a child of God, it will be reflected in the fact that you love one another. If you are a child of God, it will be reflected in the fact that you love one another. Don't say you love God if you hate your brother. If you don't hate your brother, you don't love God over and over again. What else? Anything else? Born of God. Born again. Rebirth. Over and over and over. In First John. And so uh, there's this other issue we're in this morning. No different. What do I need to do in order to have the son? I need to, uh, John's going to repeat that over and over again. In First John 3.23, he says, and this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son. Chapter 5, verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Chapter 5, verse 5, he who is... Um, Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. How do you get the Son? Believe in the Son. You can't have eternal life by being good. The Bible says that no one is good, not even one. But oddly, Jesus also says the opposite. He says in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 5, 48, you must be perfect even as your Father in heaven is is perfect. 
heaven is perfect, so you must be perfect to get there. So uh, he says uh, the same thing to the, the, the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 29. You want to go to heaven, you must be perfect. So what on earth are we supposed to do with these two things? On the one hand, no one's perfect, the Bible says. On the other hand, you must be perfect. Well, Jesus himself answers the question in John three sixteen. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Believe. So let's take it one step, one step further. What does that mean? To believe in Jesus. You mean if I believe facts about Jesus? He was born in Bethlehem. His, he had a mother named Mary, a father named Joseph. He was put to death on a cross, rose from the dead. If I believe those facts, I have eternal life? No. Because even the devil believes those facts. There's a famous verse from James, out of the book of James. James is telling uh, in his letter those who, um, who receive it. He says, well, you believe there is one God? Well, good. You're doing real good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. So it's not believing facts about Jesus that's going to give anybody eternal life. The devil believes. When, when, when Jesus confronted demon-possessed people, sometimes the demons cried out, whoa, son of God, don't torment us before our time. They knew full well that he was the son of God. So even believing the fact that he's the son of God, that's not going to give anyone eternal life, the Bible says. So what does it mean? I was listening to a sermon by John Piper, and oh man, did he give a good illustration, and so I'm just going to steal it. But I'm disclosing it, so it's okay. He used an illustration from the movie Passage of India. Anyone see that movie? The illustration was so good, I went and got the movie, and Stephanie and I uh, saw the movie. A British woman travels to India in the 1920s. If you're not familiar with the history of India at that time, Great Britain occupied India. They totally ran the show. They ran it with an iron fist. There was un unbelievable insensitivity towards the Indian people. Uh, it was more or less um, apartheid, meaning the separation of the British or the white people and the native Indians, that just sort of ruled the day. And there was a young Indian doctor there <clears throat> who was working there. And this British woman uh, travels uh, to India there in the 1920s. And to make a, a long story short, uh, the woman accuses, falsely accuses, this young Indian doctor of attempted rape. And so the young doctor is arrested. He's put into jail. And man, the, just the pictures of this man, he, he knows he's done. There's so much corruption. It was going to be a kangaroo court. He was done. The, the, the British were going to convict him. And it had all been set up, you know, witnesses and this type of thing. And... and uh, uh, he was completely helpless, and he was just filled with fear. He was terrified. 
is literally shaking. And there is this wonderful scene where some of his, a couple of his friends come into the prison cell and he's just there and he's a wreck. This guy's a mess. And these guys are all excited. And they come up to him and they say, you're never going to believe it. And they say, um, I forget the name, but they, but, but they say there's this, this attorney in Calcutta. They were in northern India. And, and this was a, 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 the most famous attorney in India. And oh man, did this, this attorney, did he like going against the British? He was an Indian attorney. An attorney who was born in India. And, and, um, and uh, you know, the man get up, got up and he was like, really? And, 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 but then his countenance, his face really changed uh, when, when he said, but, but how much is he going to cost? And he said, look at this letter. It says he's going to defend you for free. And right then, the man, just, he just brightened up. Now, there are four reactions that a man in that situation can have. The man can say, well, you know something? I don't want a lawyer. I'm just going to handle this myself. I don't trust these guys. I don't know this man. I'm, I, 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 I got what it takes. Remember what the subject is. What does it mean to believe? What does it mean? And in, in, in translations in the Bible, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, some of the translations will say trust. Whoever trusts, whoever trusts in Jesus. What does it mean to trust him? Well, if the man reacted that way, he wouldn't be trusting that lawyer, obviously. There's another thing he can say. He can say, the world famous, this world-famous lawyer, he wants to represent me. I'm a nobody. This guy's not going to show up. Why would he ever want to have anything to do with a nobody like me? Now, obviously, that's not putting trust in the lawyer. Number three, he could have said, well, you know, okay, I'll, I'll hire this guy, but... Man, if he asks me to do something in that courtroom, if he asks me to do something I don't want to do, I'm not going to do it. That's what many people think trust is. That's not trust. That's not putting his trust in the lawyer. But if he says, you know, I'm finished. I'm done. I have no hope without this guy. I am totally, completely helpless without this man. If I don't hire this man, I am through. Yes, I am going to throw myself at this guy's feet and give him complete control of this case. That is trusting the lawyer. Jesus Christ is called our lawyer. He's called our advocate. And you do have all four of these reactions. You have the one reactions where I, d I don't need Jesus arguing my case. Let me tell you, when you go from this life to the next life and you be b appear before the judge of the universe, you are 
finished. You're not going to die because the Bible says spirit is eternal. But in terms of you being able to argue your case that you are good enough and better than the sacrifice that God gave when he gave the sacrifices of his son, you're done on that, in front of that judgment seat. If you say, well, why would God ever want to represent a person like me? Why would he save me? He doesn't know what I have done. Or actually, he does know, and it's really, really, really bad. Well, let me tell you this. God delights in taking the hardest cases. He delights in taking you. The hardest, the hardest cases in the world, no matter how gory, how ugly, how despicably wicked, he delights in taking that life and giving his in return. He loves that. Number three, if you tell Jesus, okay, man, I'll give this to you. I'll give, I'll give you my life. But you know full well there are things in your life which you have no intention of obeying him on if he happened to. You too will be undone when you pass from this life to the next life. Because that's not trust. That's not trusting in Jesus. But if you say, number four, I am hopeless and I am helpless without Jesus Christ, you will have life. You will have eternal life. We need Jesus. In the movie, without that lawyer, that guy was done, and he was innocent. He, he winds up getting off, but by the way, the, the main witness uh, reversed herself or withdrew her testimony. Uh, but, but that judge was a human being. But we're guilty, and the, God, the judge is God. He's absolutely perfect. The Bible says he will not let the guilty go unpunished. We need Jesus. How do we get him? We believe in him. Chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and gets him. And then finally, verse 13, John says to them, you know, I'm telling you these things, I'm writing you th these things who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I'm going to call the worship team up and I'm going to close out our service now with a worship song. I also want to call up our prayer uh, couples. If you've been asked to pray, please come up. So the worship team is going to uh, play a song and um, as they are, as they're worshiping, as they're leading us in worship,
If you're one of the people described in those first three scenarios of how a person can react to Jesus, who's saying, I will be your advocate before in the court, I will be your lawyer in the court, I will give you eternal life, I will set you free. If you're one of those people who's, who, who's been saying, I don't need that, I'm going to argue my case. Or if you've been saying, why would he possibly you know, want, to, want to represent me? I'm me, and he knows that I'm me. Or if you're, saying, if you're holding something back and saying, okay, if, if, if you look at your life and God and you know full well you have been holding back, you haven't put your trust, you haven't believed in Jesus, if, you're, if that describes any of you here, while the worship team um, is playing, I would just ask that you come up and you would, pr- you would pray with us. I'll be up here. And, and, I, and, and one of us will just lead you in a simple prayer of faith, a, a simple believing prayer of faith. Yes, I believe, Lord Jesus, that I'm helpless and hopeless without you. Or if there's anything else, if there's any other, if there's any other thing that is just provoking your heart, that is just nagging at your soul, that's maybe even tormenting your soul, and a circumstance that someone you know or are close to that needs prayer, whatever it is, as the worship team closes with the worship song, just please come up and pray. Why don't we stand? I will close in prayer, and then the worship team will begin. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus just thanking you for this incredible gift of your son and Lord the weight of these words he who has the son has life he who does not have the son of God does not have life we just thank you for life this morning Lord we thank you for the Son who literally was given to us so that we can have Him. Sounds like a strange thing, Lord, to have the Son. But it's in your word, it's true, and our own lives are a witness, Lord, of its truth. And I just pray, Lord, that you would draw anyone up who's never put their trust in Jesus and Lord I just pray that we would live out the rest of the day and the week abiding drawing from from Jesus who we have believing and blessing and loving everybody around us Lord because of the great love that you have given us pray this in Jesus' name.